Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read from 2 Chronicles chapter 35. Josiah kept the Passover to Yahweh in Jerusalem, and they slaughtered the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the first month. He appointed the priests to their offices and encouraged them in the service of the house of Yahweh. And he said to the Levites who taught all Israel and who were holy to Yahweh, Put the holy ark in the house that Solomon the son of David, king of Israel, built. You need not carry it on your shoulders. Now serve Yahweh your God and his people. Prepare yourselves according to your father's houses by your divisions, as prescribed in the writing of David, king of Israel, and the document of Solomon his son. And stand in the holy place according to the groupings of the fathers' houses of your brothers, the lay people, and according to the division of the Levites by father's household. And slaughter the Passover lamb, and consecrate yourselves, and prepare for your brothers to do according to the word of Yahweh by Moses. Then Josiah contributed to the lay people, as Passover offerings for all who were present, lambs and young goats from the flock to the number of thirty thousand, and three thousand bulls. These were from the king's possessions. And his officials contributed willingly to the people, to the priests, and to the Levites. Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehael, the chief officers of the house of God, gave to the priests for the Passover offerings. Twenty-six hundred Passover lambs and three hundred bulls. Conaniah also, and Shemaiah, and Nethanel, his brothers, and Hashabiah, and Jael, and Josabad, the chiefs of the Levites, gave to the Levites for the Passover offerings five thousand lambs and young goats and five hundred bulls. When the service had been prepared for, the priests stood in their place and the Levites in their divisions according to the king's command, and they slaughtered the Passover lamb. And the priests threw the blood that they received from them while the Levites flayed the sacrifices. And they set aside the burnt offerings that they might distribute them according to the groupings of the fathers' houses of the lay people to offer them to Yahweh as it is written in the book of Moses. And so they did with the bulls. And they roasted the Passover lamb with fire according to the rule. And they boiled the holy offerings in pots and cauldrons and in pans and carried them quickly to all the lay people. And afterward they prepared for themselves and for the priests because the priests, the sons of Aaron, were offering the burnt offerings and the fat parts until night. So the Levites prepared for themselves and for the priests, the sons of Aaron. The singers, the sons of Asaph, were in their place according to the command of David. And Asaph and Heman and Jedithan the king's seer. And the gatekeepers were at each gate. They did not need to depart from their service, for their brothers, the Levites, prepared for them. So all the service of Yahweh was prepared that day, to keep the Passover and to offer burnt offerings on the altar of Yahweh according to the command of King Josiah. And the people of Israel who were present kept the Passover at that time, and the feast of unleavened bread seven days. No Passover like it had been kept in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. None of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as was kept by Josiah and the priests and the Levites and all Judah and Israel who were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the eighteenth year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. After all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, went up to fight at Carchemish on the Euphrates, and Josiah went out to meet him. But he sent envoys to him, saying, What have we to do with each other, king of Judah? I am not coming against you this day, but against the house which, with which I am at war. 
and God has commanded me to hurry. See, supposing God who is with me, lest he destroy you. Nevertheless, Josiah did not turn away from him, but disguised himself in order to fight with him. He did not listen to the words of Necho from the mouth of God, but came to fight in the plain of Megiddo, and the archers shot King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am badly wounded. So his servants took him out of the chariot and carried him in the second chariot and brought him to Jerusalem. And he died and was buried in the tombs of his fathers. All Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Jeremiah also uttered a lament for Josiah, and all the singing men and singing women have spoken of Josiah and their laments to this day. They made these a rule in Israel. Behold, they are written in the laments. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and his good deeds, according to what is written in the law of Yahweh, and his acts from first and last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. This is the word of the Lord. So start out probably as a family by talking about what the Passover is. Maybe ask your children to tell you about the Passover. Or if you want to do it in biblical style, dads, tell the Passover story. Exodus chapter 12 Chapter 13, talk about this. They lay this out as the pattern that the Israelites should celebrate the Passover together uh, every year, generation to generation, forever. And as they do, the father would tell the story to his family, and your sons are going to ask you, why do we do this? What does this mean? And that's the opportunity for you to share who God is and what he's done for you. So these kinds of traditions are of benefit to us also. In brief, and we just talked about this a few days ago in chapter 30 with Hezekiah, the Passover was the tenth and final plague as God sought to bring his people out of Egypt so that Pharaoh would let them go, killing the firstborn in every household in the land. But if the Israelites, listening to God's command, would offer a lamb at twilight, um, sundown, take the blood of the lamb painted on the doorpost of their home, that the Lord would pass over destroying the firstborn in that house. So the blood painted on the door was a sign of faith, a sign of being God's people, and so God passed over, God spared. This connects greatly to the New Testament, to the ministry of Jesus Christ, to his death and his resurrection, that by his death on the cross, by his blood shed for us, we are covered by his blood, so now God passes over our sin. He passes over us and welcomes us instead into his kingdom. We are saved, we are given that grace, that gift from the Lord. So this is the first time the text is mentioned, even though we've passed several kings, first time it's mentioned a celebration of the Passover since Hezekiah back in chapter 30. They slaughtered the Passover lamb, 14th day, first month. This is again the command in Exodus 12. This would be roughly March, April, so probably close to the start of April at this time. If you're looking at one of our calendars today, it is very much so based on the new moon uh, each month, starting with that. And so that is why, really, this connecting again to Jesus' crucifixion and Easter is connected to the crucifixion. This is why the date of Easter is so wonky as we think about it. The date of Easter is moving all over the place. Unlike Christmas, which is just December 25th, nice and easy, it's the same day every year, Easter moves. So you have to look at the calendar, go to March 21st, and then the first full moon that happens on or after March 21st, then you look for the Sunday that follows. That's Easter. And that connects again to 
this month of March, April, which is the first of the first month of the year and started with the, the moon. So that's the picture here of, of that account. So he's appointed the priests. He's putting the Levites in service to the house of the Lord. And he, he instructs the Levites to put the holy ark, that is the throne of God, as it's described earlier in, in the Old Testament, into the temple. Begs the question where it's been before. We know King David brought it into the city of Jerusalem. And then his son Solomon, in Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 7, brings the, well, the priests bring the ark into the actual inter, inner part, the, the most holy place. So why is it that they have to do it again now? It could be that one of the pagan kings of Judah, in his seeking, like Ahaz, to, to put uh, false gods and false altars in the temple, that they've actually gone in and removed the throne of God as well. And so that has now been found and put back. That seems most likely, although again, it's strange, that's not actually mentioned anywhere that the ark had been removed from the temple itself. So they're putting it back. The Levites don't need to carry it. God is with his people. Then he has them prepare themselves by their divisions. So this is as David said back in 1 Chronicles chapter 23 through 26. He's having the Levites prepare themselves according to their service. Two-week rotation. Get ready for, prepare for the Passover, and also to do so by the groupings of the people. Your brothers, the lay people. So you need to have enough lambs for all the people, and the Levites are going to be partaking of this event. So slaughter the Passover lamb, consecrate yourselves. Consecrating to make yourself holy, in this case, cleansed, clean, don't become unclean, so avoid all things that would make you unclean. And there are many of those back in the book of Leviticus, which they have recently found and rediscovered, so they can read about that. Then we get the gifts of the, the sacrifices to the people. So bulls for burnt offering, but lambs as Passover lambs to be sacrificed. So we have from the king, Josiah, the most, then we have from the priests as well, and then from the Levites uh, some more. And what we see here is a gift, finally, of 37,600 lambs and 3,800 bulls. That's a lot of animals. We're at 41,400, if I just did my math right on that. Um, and that's a lot of sacrifices for the priests to do. And they're going to be at it, as the text will tell us, until night. And it starts at, at sundown, um, but they're going to go well into the evening hours doing all the work that has to be done here. So the priests stand in their place, the Levites stand in theirs, and they slaughter the Passover lamb, twilight, sundown. The priests do what they're supposed to do, taking the blood, throwing it against the altar. And then the Levites actually, the word here, flay, they butcher, they cut up the animals. And then they burn the, the burnt offerings as, as they should. And then the distribution is given to the people. So the lay people, according to fathers' houses, by groups. The Levites here being designated to do the, the distribution, to provide to these men, to these families, their, their Passover lamb to consume. And so you've got the Passover lamb. They also sacrifice the bulls. And then we have the, the boiling of the holy offerings 
as well, which are again distributed to the people. So the people are going to consume the Passover meal. As we think about, I know a lot of churches do the Seder meal, and so you have a picture in your mind of what this might have looked like. That's actually a much later Jewish tradition. Uh, the This goes through goes through waves, really different iterations of the Passover in Judaism, and it's a later one that's used for the Seder. But beside the point, it gives you a little bit of, of a picture that you might not have otherwise had. And so they, they prepare for themselves. So this is the Levites that are preparing for themselves and the priests. So the priests are busy with the sacrifices. The Levites are going to take care of them as well. So they're helping the people, they're helping the priests. And then there are Levites who are still on duty serving for these two weeks as gatekeepers, musicians, and so forth, they stay at their duty. The other Levites are the ones who are going to bring and prepare for them and sacrifice on their behalf. So it's done, prepare that day to keep the offering, to keep the Passover, sorry, to Yahweh by the king's command. And they do. People of Israel keep the Passover and the feast. That's the 15th through the 21st. Passover is the 14th of the month, so it's an eight-day thing when all celebrated together. And we're told nothing like it had been done since the days of Samuel a prophet. So that speaks very highly of this festival, this feast, this celebration. Really, the one Hezekiah did back in chapter 30 was spoken of highly. So this is even greater than that. And the people then decided that they wanted to go ahead and do it for a whole nother week. Now, granted, it was the wrong time. It was the second month instead of the first month. Um, So that might have a connection here as well. That was because they couldn't gather the people at the, the moment where it had occurred. The last paragraph brings up the idea of Josiah's death, that he is going to do battle with Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt. So Necho is on his way to fight with Assyria. He's going to meet the Assyrian king in battle at Carchemish on the Euphrates. That's roughly 380 miles north-northeast of Jerusalem. And Josiah, as, as Nico's passing by, Josiah tries to meet him. Nico sends envoys, messengers, to the king. And, and Nico's message here is, is good, really. I mean, what have we to do with each other, king of Judah? I'm not coming against you, but the house with which I'm at war. And God has commanded me to hurry. Cease opposing God who is with me, lest he destroy you. Nico here actually believes that Yahweh, the God of Judah, is on his side, has commanded him to hurry to battle, has, has commanded him to do this thing, and is with him. And so if Josiah opposes him, he's opposing God. It's an intriguing spot for the king of Egypt to be, isn't it? But it appears he's right. From verse 22, nevertheless, Josiah did not turn from his way, disguised himself to fight with him. He did not listen to the words of Nico from the mouth of God. Nico wasn't lying, nor was Nico speaking of one of the many Egyptian gods. He was speaking of Yahweh. This brings the question that is good to discuss as a family. Can God work through pagan kings? Can God work through kings who aren't Christian? The answer to that is most definitely yes. Romans 13 verse 1 tells us every governing authority comes from God. The Lord is going to raise up Assyria to destroy Israel. 
Assyria wasn't faithful, and in fact, because they weren't faithful, the Lord raises up Babylon to destroy them. And because Babylon's not faithful, uh, under Belshazzar at the end of its time, uh, he's going to raise up the nation of Persia to destroy Babylon. It's a, a thing that the Lord does again and again. He works through sinners. He works through people to bring about his purpose when and where he pleases. And he does work through pagan kings. Does so all the time. So God is with Nico. Nico warns Josiah, my fight's not with you. My fight is with this other enemy. Stay home. Don't challenge me. Josiah doesn't listen, meets him out at the plain of Megiddo. So picturing Jerusalem on the south side of the nation of Judah, Megiddo is on the way as you keep passing north, heading in between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. As you keep heading north, trying to get to Carchemish, where he wants to do battle with a different enemy, the Valley of Megiddo is where this battle takes place. And that's not more than 60 miles up to the north, maybe a little off to the northwest of Jerusalem. So he meets him out there for battle, and he's struck by an archer, and his words are strikingly similar to one of the wicked kings of God's people, Ahab, in chapter 18, who had said to his servants after he was wounded in the battle, disguising himself just like Josiah did here, He disguised himself, he's hit by an archer, he's wounded. He tells his servants to take him out of the battle because he, for I am badly wounded. King Josiah says almost the identical thing. Almost, not quite, but it's the same kind of an image here. Not a good, good way to go, not a faithful way to go. He has rejected God's word. That's not to say Josiah is not to be considered in paradise when we get there, Um, but just not a good end. We will all die in sin unless Christ first comes back. Um, that's not not, an, not a condemnation to say, but it's a difficult thing. Josiah did not end well here. So his servants took him home. He dies, and he's lamented by everyone, including Prophet Jeremiah. And we haven't had much sighting of Jeremiah in this book, but he's been around here lately. Uh, and hasn't been mentioned up until this point. He laments. Uh, It's to mourn. He mourns over the death of the king, as do all in Israel. They write laments. So this is the end of the last faithful king of Judah. Chapter 36 tomorrow, the final one of the book, will give us the last few unfaithful kings, the fall of God's holy nation, and then the restoration. So we'll finish up tomorrow.